Back in September of 2016, something started. Almost five years, and very nearly 400 episodes later, here we are. Welcome to episode 399 of Trending in Education. It's been an amazing ride so far, and we're really just getting started. But before leaning into the future, we wanted to take a moment to reflect on and celebrate the past. For today's episode, we have a very special throwback to how it all began, an origin story edition with original hosts, Brandon Jones, Dan Strafford, and Mike Palmer. We hope you enjoy this very special episode of Trending in Education. Welcome to Trending in Education, a very exciting episode here. We're taking it way back to where this whole thing began, this crazy madcap dream of ours. I have Brandon Jones and Dan Strafford with me for Trending in Ed. Welcome back to the show, Brandon and Dan. Thank you, Mike. It can't go any further back than the first episode. When you said way back, it's the wayest back it can go. It goes all the way back to September of 2016. We started something crazy. We started this podcast called Trending in Education, and uh, we're coming up on our 400th episode, which is amazing. And I haven't had both of you on the show in a long time. I haven't had either of you individually on the show nearly as regularly as we did in the early days. Looks like we've done... 137 shows, just the three of us, which is a lot. And I've done a bunch of shows one-on-one with each of you coming up on 400 shows, but early days, it was just us. And for our listeners, they may not understand how this show came into being. I got my perspective, but I'd love to hear from, from each of you. So Brandon, I like to talk about origin stories on the show. Can you give us a little bit of the origin story of trending in education from your perspective? You know, I think the origin story actually started pre-episode one, coincidentally, where Mike, you and I had had joked about, we basically were recording a pod before podcasts existed in just our colleagueship and friendship uh, that we had at uh, our former employer, Kaplan Test Prep. For years, we had what was probably the best material we ever had was uh, pre-recording. And with Dan in there from day one as the third amigo uh, in our group of, uh, of three, really just trying to, to explore some new media, which I know you've uh, continued to be at the forefront. It's even newer media has come along, but thinking, you know, let's try our hand at podcasting and we like education, we like trends, we like each other. And so mm-hmm. I think it was born from a very natural, organic relationship that the three of us have to something that uh, we wanted to do together. Awesome. And Dan, your thoughts? Brandon, I I think you're spot on. It just became an organic conversation between the two of you. I may have had some technical know-how in the space uh, leading in. And from there, the the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. And uh, just to build on that, Dan, you were producing this not from the office. So Brandon and I would typically huddle- Pre-COVID, people. Pre-COVID. You were remote from way back. But we we were we inherited from Slate, right. uh, which was also a Graham Holdings company uh, while we were at Kaplan. They bequeathed to us what was called a whisper room. I, I later found out it was called the Chamber of Secrets, uh, named from Harry Potter. But a lot of great stuff apparently happened in there over the years at Slate. And then they dropped it in the midst of our offices. 
and right not far from where I worked and Brandon was, was down the hall from us. And you could comfortably fit maybe two people two and a half, in there. Two and Sometimes half, we would have three and then Dan would be on the monitor at the end of the desk there and imparting his morsels of wisdom from, from the, the greater Boston area. But, but it's a shout out to our friends at Slate who bequeathed that to us. I always liken it to The Gods Must Be Crazy, a <laughs> film back in the 90s when a Coke bottle falls in sub-Saharan Africa and then all heck breaks loose. They think of it in really interesting ways, but it did almost feel like a, a psychology, sociology experiment where let's drop this capability into their midst and see what happens. And voila, here we are 400 episodes later. That's right. And yeah, the, the Whisper Room professionalized our efforts, not just in terms of sound, but also it gave us a place to do this. Uh, our colleagues would wonder what was going on when the two of us would walk into the room, close the door and be in there for an hour. I would sometimes wonder what happened when I was walking out of that room an hour later, but it was fun. It got a little hot in there. That's what I was um, say. You know, some Christmas lights or yeah. holiday lights uh, in there, some low lighting and not a whole lot of air circulation, but yeah. Uh, it wasn't just temperature hot. There were some hot ideas being uh, laid out in that room as well. Hot takes, yeah. Hot pockets. It was so no hot pockets, but everything else there was. It was that was those were fun days. Yeah, yeah. And we were always talking about moving the program forward and how could you? We didn't monetize, but I remember joking once that one way to monetize was we were in Midtown East. I thought we could open up a couple tables there and start serving lunch through the Whisper Room, which which never quite panned out, but it was almost like you enter a different world where you were in there. One of our recurring imaginary guests was Elon Musk. Yeah. So from the early days, way back in 2016, we were inspired by the imagination and the, the, the potentiality of Elon. And we shouted at him out frequently. Many things have changed over the years, but in some ways, Elon is still here and he's still a guy who's ahead of the curve. Any reflections on a friend of the show, at least hypothetical friend of the show, Elon Musk over the years? I mean, his roller coaster ride since we first invited him on the show, I don't want to lay claim to uh, some of his crazy antics, but it might have been influenced by us inviting him. But I, I think... Obviously, the imagination you talk about is what inspired me most is just the way he thinks is different than most, right? Yeah. So you get to think about something like Neuralink, which we joked a lot about with Brandon saying, hook me up, I'm ready to go. And that's- Back of my head is ready. It's still it's, ready, Elon. It's becoming more and more possible. And you're seeing the space race now between all these billionaires with Branson and Bezos yes. and, and Musk all going. Though Musk has opted out of actually doing it himself which seems like the sanest thing he's done of late. And then you have Dogecoin of late and yeah. Bitcoin and all those stories. And thanks, Elon, made a, a few coins off of your Dogecoin calls. I appreciate that. But it, it's an interesting world to, to track someone of that mindset. And I think yeah. he always just gave us inspiration in thinking differently and bringing to market things that people always thought was, was science fiction. Yeah, the boring company, you can't not have an opportunity to make a joke about the boring company because it's called the boring company. And Elon was just very much part of the, the collective imagination. We like to talk about getting zeitgeisty, that he was very much of that type. And the show has been about education, but it's also been about being in the world and trying to understand what's new and emerging in the world around us. Brandon, any thoughts on some of the topics or themes that we covered over the years that are still resonate when you think back uh, at your experiences with trending in ed? 
Yeah, it was, I think we covered uh, a lot of ground and uh, a lot of it was very rich. Yeah, you know, I, I think there are some things that, that obviously come to mind. I hearted bots. Uh, I would say I heart bots a lot. I still heart bots. That was past and um, I less than three bots was the line that I less than three bots. Yeah, yes. That's right. Thanks. Thanks, Dan, for, uh, for bringing it back. Yeah, I mean, we talked about a lot around AI and AR and VR, the centaurs, the virtual humans, I think wasn't the term we were using back then, but I think that was a a trend that I know maybe it, it is still in the early days, but we were in the early days pre those days, these days, you know, I can't reflect, can't, can't offer reflections without giving shout outs to Robocon. The, for those who haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. But also it is just an arm that was developed to take a Japanese entrance exam for college, had four chances and failed on its, each of its four chances. And then as we imagined again, theater of the mind, imagine it being sent out to a Toyota factory uh, building building Camrys and going and, and looking sadly in the windows of, uh, of a college that it wanted to get into. Yeah, it inspired me to think a little outside the lane of what my day job was at Kaplan to think about what was new and what was maybe even not now, but coming. And I think that has been a trend that I'm a listener to the show now, no longer a host, but that has been a trend that, that I give you credit, Mike, for continuing. Yeah. And, and for me, I, I'm just struck by the practice. You talked to me about practice, but the practice of trying to identify trends does change the way you think and the way you operate. And then the other thing that, that I think you were touching on a little bit there, Dan, too, is like, we didn't pod fade. Like there are a lot of examples of podcasts that start and stop. These technologies are all democratized nowadays, just that anybody can, can do one or a few. It's hard to do 400. And part of that is because you got to build it into how you think, how you operate, how you engage with the world. But I, I think it helps. For me on a personal level, it created a flywheel for myself, where I'm forced to read more books, more articles, stay more abreast of what's emerging in the world around me. And uh, hopefully that makes the content better, but that definitely makes us better. Any thoughts on that, Dan? I've talked about it before on the show and both of you coming from the fantasy sports world largely is where I used to podcast that I could fake largely like yeah. that, that I could get away with talking about the day's sports, right? The, the, the daily aspect of something and being able to speak to it on the fly. Whereas the subject matter we, we, dove into here for me personally was outside of my typical realm of expertise. So it did lend itself to me growing as an employee of the, the company I'm still with, but the idea also of just thinking differently about how to approach research, how to learn more, what to read, what yeah. not to read, what to ignore, what to stay away from. I use the Gartner hype cycle, its methodology as a reference point more and more now. Yeah. Um, I got big in, I, I know I talked to you about Mike, the NFTs, the NBA top shot of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I got pretty heavily into that, but you saw it follow the hype cycle. Like it's in the trough right now. And you can see it with Google trends too. It's all on the same thing. And just learning those things along the way have made me one more knowledgeable, uh, but I think more aware of what I need to learn more about, more yeah. aware of how to lean in and, and keep moving forward. Yeah. And for me, when the Gartner hype cycle comes out or when the Mika report comes out, it's like a mini holiday. I just texted you the Coursera world report just came out. I, I sent you a text. Glo Global skills index. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of water off ducks backs. Stuff happened. We learned a lot over the years. And, and then Brandon, you were the first to embark out of the Kaplan mothership. That was back in the summer of 2019. What's it been like since since you left? Because you've been back on the show a handful of times. I know you're doing a lot of interesting work in behavioral health. You've been showing up more now as 
someone who's wearing uh, a new hat as an expert in an adjacent space around behavioral health. And I know also at, at uh, Triad, where you are now, you, you've also launched a podcast. So any reflections on what you learned through your run here and how you've been able to think about it now that you're wearing uh, different hats? Certainly, let me start with the last part, which is the work that we did together on trending in education, um, beyond the work that we did for our work, was really helpful in setting us up. Our podcast is called Behavioral Health Today. It covers trending topics in behavioral mental health, which I think just personally, professionally, both a really important topic and space and market from a commercial perspective. And you, Mike, helped us launch this podcast. Yeah. We are just past our one-year anniversary this April. Uh, yeah. we're, uh, we're closing in on 50,000 listens, which is an exciting milestone for us. It was a long way of saying thank you to both of you for having been there with me along the way that then as I left from under one roof to another, brought some of those learnings to launch a new podcast. And then beyond that, in general learnings and reflections, it's been quite a time since 2019, not just for, for me um, having left the place and, and uh, joined a new place, but the, the world. It's been a couple of years. I listened to uh, the, the new normal for learning uh, episode, and I, I had some thoughts on some things that I think are becoming normal in my seat and mm -hmm. both as an as a, as a person and as a professional. Yeah, we'll want to get into that. And then I wound up leaving Kaplan back in the end of uh, December of 2019, leaving Dan and sometimes guest correspondent Melissa Griffith still at the Kaplan Mothership. And we've been able to keep you connected in some ways, Dan. But, uh, but what's it been like from your perspective in the intervening time since, since the three amigos? And I'm still trying to figure out whether I'm who do I want to be? Do I, right. I think you probably want to be St Steve Martin. Probably. Yeah. Well, for me, it's funny. We talked about it at the start that we were doing this pre-COVID with the remote production, right? Yeah. And doing that. And I've been doing it since I moved up to Massachusetts, working for you, Mike, six years ago. Yeah. And personally, that was a rocky transition for me because I've been in office for so long. And a lot of what I did was on site. And learning this new world earlier than most made specifically the past year easier for me and honestly more lucrative for me because I was able to insert skills that I learned doing things like this yeah. into the world that everyone was all of a sudden getting used to. Remote production, remote learning, something Mike, you champion, Brandon, you champion as well at Kaplan and now beyond. We were already ahead of that curve. Mm -hmm. So what I found over the past two years creating content and the past year specifically is that people are understanding now the difficulty of it, what we were able to do for so long, the content, to your point, not pod fading, like doing this on a regular basis and making it accessible and good and, and worthwhile. I think more and more people are finally getting a sense of how hard that is. I think also education wise, it's made me, what we did, able to help my kids when they were virtual learning, like able to think through, okay, this was difficult for me working from home because of X, Y, Z, or Brandon and I communicated well doing this. Maybe I need to talk to their teacher about something different in a way. So it made me more available to do that. I will say the past year has made it interesting because now almost everybody can do what I've been doing for four or five years. Yeah. So it's, it's now trying to stay ahead of trend. What mm -hmm. you've talked about so often, like trying to look ahead, skate to where the puck is going, the phrase uh, Gretzky, obviously, but you've used several times. It's tough. Like it's yeah. a tough thing to stay ahead of all right, is TikTok really the where I need to look at? I I don't need to be on TikTok, but is that what I need to be doing? And and I think this show and the way you both think and the way you had me thinking about how to produce helps in that way of trying to stay ahead a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to try to get some thoughts about that from each of you as we start looking 
ahead. Uh, Brandon was talking about the new normal. But before we do that, there's a couple of the things I wanted to, to hit on. One was some of the live events that we did, really two in particular. One was uh, with Wendy Zuckerman from the Science Versus at the Javits Center in October of 2018 at the National Association of Broadcasters event there. Brandon and I interviewed Wendy, who's just brilliant, but that was a very vivid memory that I had, an amazing moment. And then the three of us were down at South by Southwest EDU in the spring of 2019. And we're good at live, despite how carefully edited all of our episodes are. But any thoughts on on those moments? Maybe start with you, Brandon, because I remember the the Wendy moment, it was certainly a high point so far in my my podcasting career, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on either Wendy or other moments along the way. Yeah, I'll share thoughts on both. I'll start by saying I recently went to the Javits Center to get my COVID vaccination shots. So nice. from Javits to Javits in my arm. And I did, uh, as I was there uh, waiting, and what was actually an impressively short line for uh, the number of people they were vaccinating, I did think about the last time that I'd been there, which was for... Uh, the live show recording. It was a trade show floor and we were there recording a show on the floor and it felt like, and hopefully the sort of ambient uh, noise that came through and the sound pickup in the background, you could hear it, but it it felt very live, right? It, in, in a way it was different than South by Southwest, which I'll talk about in a second, but there we had random passers-by coming and seeing what are these guys and gal in their cans doing here? What is this? Recording a uh, recording a what? It felt cool because we were picking up people who were just walking the trade show floor and weren't necessarily looking for a podcast, but then stuck around. We, we gathered a little humble brag ma- made for good for podcasting, brushing this off. We attracted a bit of a crowd, which was nice. Wendy was a great guest, obviously. I, I really enjoyed speaking with her and the science versus, boy, do, do we need science versus as a general theme. That, I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then South by Southwest was, was different, no less good, but just differently good in as much it was a session with a dedicated audience who showed up to hear the conversation, but I also thought that was good. It felt like an authentic conversation. We interviewed Ashley Manka from ACT. We had her join us and it's a different kind of energy. I mean, I feel like from a certain perspective, everything recorded is also live. This is happening live right now. Wait, what? Um, Even if you're not hearing it live, like we're all live, but it it felt authentic, but there's also a, a, a different kind of energy when there are you know, other humans in the room who are mm-hmm. looking at you, listening to you, and hopefully uh, laughing along with you or, or learning along with you and enjoying the conversation. So yeah. uh, I, those, I remember both those vividly and fondly. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting in the last year, all of those conference experiences have moved to the same format that you're talking about. So a lot of podcasters are now doing live webinars, live events. It's something that we've been experimenting with a little bit uh, here on the show. It's something that that continues to be a trend. But then Dan, I remember we were ready to fly down to South by Southwest for our heroic second engagement when a little something called uh, the coronavirus happened. And uh, I remember I was flying out that Saturday morning and South by Southwest was canceled that Friday night. So I already had had an Airbnb booked for my wife and one-year-old son at the time. We we're going to hang out in Austin. You have a great time because Austin's a, a fantastic, that's a fun conference. But any reflections on live experiences or other things that kind of jump to mind around your run on trending in education? Absolutely. So the NAB, what Brandon described is what I love is that 
almost accidental interactions you can have with people on that trade floor where things are just happening all around. Mm-hmm. The, the first South by Southwest experience, you knew what you were getting into. You saw the show and I have to give credit to you both. And also Mike, your approach, South by Southwest EDU really adopted a lot of what we talked about with the podcasting yeah. for the next year. They were going to have a podcast stage and they were going to have a specific place for these things to be recorded. I was psyched. My wife and I yeah. were going, my wife was presenting Yeah, we workshop. I was home on my daughter's 10th birthday. So we're, we're watching the news. And at this point we're both sitting there and my wife is immunocompromised. So her doctor's like, that's ah, fine. You fly down there. It'll be fine. No big deal. And okay, cool. Got the doctors and then we're just watching and then slowly things start getting canceled. And, but they're coming back around. I think to your point, virtual has become the new norm. Forward-facing hybrid is a word that is probably being overused right now, but this mixed modal way of delivering live events is going to be here for a while. Yeah, um, And I think people are learning from that, but I think the live you all did at South by Southwest further legitimized what we were doing with the podcast. It yeah. further showed that, yes, we edit this, but there's a conversational tone to this podcast specifically and to what this conversation around education is that I really think is much more uh, approachable than most. And again, that's not always a teachable thing. And I think you've seen that over the past year, as you see people do live webinars and see people do virtual events where this doesn't feel quite right anymore. And I'm pretty proud of of the stuff we were able to do from a live perspective as well. We went live on YouTube, which I think was well-received. You and I went live with Melissa and Rohit Bargava for another session. It's nice, their little test labs. We're always cooking up new stuff. The other thing I wanted to talk quickly about was March Madness over the years, which was a real story tradition. We wound up skipping March Madness this year. Because it was all mad. It's going to come back. We did even do it in 2020 through the the craziness of the the first wave of the coronavirus. Uh, But it was a really interesting thing that we did on the regular. And then Brandon, I'd love to get your perspective because you and I wound up squaring off sometimes. It was a fun format. Sometimes we kind of got ahead of some stuff and we were on the record with our prediction. So any thoughts on that? Yeah. So March Madness won, which I guess was in March, 2017. Yeah. We really did some preparation that just was unsustainable. We had prepared debates you know, uh, yeah, back yeah. and forth set. Yeah. There were yeah. rap battles. Yeah, rap battles. Exactly. Some epic rap battles where it was all in good spirit and good fun. We were all trying to do this in the midst of our day jobs and yeah. giving us credit. We, we did show up prepared to talk to guests, having read articles, book excerpts, books. Those were some fun days. The March Madness, especially March Madness round one. And then we did get ahead of some trends. One that I had cited was kid solving, which I think was true in the moment, obviously through the tragedy of the Parkland school shooting, but also with climate change and Greta, it is evident through some new media, how capable young people are. Mm -hmm. Watch out world, young people can change it and and hopefully will for the better. But yeah, there there were a number of trends that we identified. We spent a lot of time thinking about the future and about the present and forecasting out trend lines. And I think we did pretty well. Yeah. And it's become part of what I'm trying to do now with this show is extend what we did March Madness really throughout the year. And in addition to March Madness, we also were staying on top of what's new and emerging in the world of media and entertainment. So I did like that we were not pigeonholed into just talking about a narrow slice of education. We were trying to play with our heads up and make connections across the world around us. Beginning first in 2017 with the launch of a spinoff show called The Citadel, where we would break down 
what happened on Game of Thrones, both for season seven, which was in 2017, and then when Game of Thrones was back in 2019, we were following along the bumpy ride that was season eight of Game of Thrones. We, we talked about Black Panther. We talked about Black Mirror and uh, Bandersnatch. We did a bunch of sports shows. What can you learn from sports that in some ways that's turned into another podcast I do now with a colleague of ours, Tarlin Ray, running it back, Lessons Learned from Sports. But any thoughts about the Citadel? Because for me, that's definitely something I'll always be proud of. And I always have very fond memories because as a trend that was impacting the broader culture, Game of Thrones was really up there. The world was different when those episodes were coming out and we were staying right up on top of it. I'll offer a couple quick thoughts first, and then Dan, happy to hear yours too. We, we made a credible effort at first. This is some real, it's gonna be some oh, real tying. Yeah, tying. Yeah. We, we made some credible effort to tie it to education. Yes. Yeah, you know, we, we were talking about education in Westeros and Essos and you yes. know, uh, learning and how learning happened and communication there. That lasted for probably about two episodes of The Citadel. And then we were just talking about the cultural phenomenon that was Game of Thrones. Yeah. I guess, obviously, I want everybody to extract value from everything, but I'm fairly unapologetic about the fact that we were talking about something which was in the cultural milieu. And I, I think we were doing it in a way where we were trying to make it interesting and accessible. And so I would argue, here's the meta connection to learning is that if you were listening and enjoying that uh, listening experience, there was probably some learning that you were doing real time. I liked those shows and we continue to drop core training and education content every week. If you wanted to tune out for the Citadel and tune in for core training and education, we were there for you. If you wanted to listen both, we were there for you twice. So I thought that was a lot of fun. And uh, I guess one last note on that before Dan turned over to you, the fun part was not unintentional. We took a topic which in some cases, not all cases, but in some cases, education and K-12, higher ed, even some of the, the newer forms of education learning can be a little dry and academic. Mm-hmm. And we intended to infuse some personality. Now, unfortunately for all you listeners, it was our three personalities. So you were stuck with what you got, but we tried to infuse some personality and some fun into what we did. And I think the Citadel sort of was born out of that. So mm-hmm. in a way, even when we stopped trying to tether back with the tenuousness of that tether, it was still really born from what we were trying to do around training and education. Yeah. And we did get to talk about, I think Columbia had a grad course based off of Game of Thrones. I know mm-hmm. Indiana University had, it's like from Westeros to Wall Street or something along those lines. So it did also work that way. Duolingo, I'm interrupting right. you again, sorry, but Duolingo had a Dothraki a language. There was a great article about epidemiology from right. Westeros, which I thought was really relevant uh, in light of the pandemic and everything. So there are ways to make connections. And I think we were having fun and discussing the show also was cathartic a lot of the times that last season because it, <laughs> there, were, there were times we logged on and you could hear the anger in all three of our voices of uh, all right there's another there's another bad episode uh, yeah yeah it was fun it was different and it allowed again palate cleansing of sorts mm-hmm. for the listener and for us mm-hmm. to be able to transition talk about something we loved something we were really into and have passion about outside of the typical topics mike you said it before there are people who really liked that off-ramp like yeah. really liked the idea of oh wait this is cool to listen to they have opinions about this completely different topic but still speak about it in an eloquent way i think was awesome yeah, yeah. And and I think we're intentionally trying to make connections that are broad. Freud talked about the narcissism of small differences. 
where people get into their lane and they think it's all about the specifics within their little niche. And one of the, the express intents of this show is to try to look across and make those types of connections, which hopefully have a little bit of fun along the way. We're getting close to time here. I want to pivot towards the future, uh, to the future, which is something that we like to do on this show regularly. Any reflections? What's capturing your imagination these days? What do you see on the horizon? I, I like lists. That was another thing. Every time there was a list, we had, some quiz, we had some quizzes that Dan, you were yes. kind enough to prepare for us. I have no quizzes today, but I do have a list. So there are five things that I think for me are on the horizon, not specifically learning related, although some of them are tied to it. As I thought about the new normal, I, I, I liked listening to, to that show, as I mentioned, and I like thinking about where we're going, where we are. I'll give the list of five with maybe a teaser comment about each. Here's the list to start. Under the construct of the new normal, there are five things I have. Mm -hmm. One, relationship redefinition. Mm. The teaser on that is relationship ellipses with people, with work, with learning, and with self, which leads into thing number two, which I'm trying to think of as the qualified self, as different from the quantified self, which has been a movement that obviously has been gaining traction over the last many years. Some real non-quantitative self-examination and self-reflection and taking self-stock. Uh, we've all spent a lot of our times in a much smaller world over the past year and a half. And whether that's however your you know family or friend or solo group is configured, it featured a lot more you. And so I think that's going to be coming out is maybe some purposeful self-qualification. Also related to that in both good and less good ways, thing number three is mental well-being. Mm both uh, mental health and also mental wellness. Whomever you are, wherever you are, you were impacted in some way. And some of those are more acute. Some of those are very positive. You may have been inspired to be proactive about your wellness, including mental wellness. But I think it's just much more awareness and will continue to be around mental well-being in the future than in the even recent past. Four of five or 80% of the way there now is what I'm thinking about as polarization versus divergence, where not to put too much of a stamp on this versus bleak versus hopeful. One of those things, divergence, whether that's diversity of any kind, including neurodiversity, that is, I think, objectively positive. Polarization, I think, is a worse version of that. And I think we're teetering on that line where there is much more awareness of diversity and the value of diversity and divergence, mm -hmm. which I think is very positive. There is also a possibility that we end up in a, a much more polarized future. And so yeah. I would love the opposite of polarization in my mind is not harmonization. It's divergence and celebrating diversity in a way that is really positive. So mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. hopefully a trend that we're heading to. And then finally, five is uh, caps on all this is what I'm thinking of as purposefully new. So what I hope is if I could have one line that I would leave you know, listeners with, what I hope is that as we're getting back to new normal, I ate in a restaurant two weeks ago for the first time in 14 months. I got on a plane uh, a couple of weeks ago for the first time in 14 months. I'm seeing my family, my parents for the first time in 16 months. These are all normal things, I would mm. say, mm -hmm. that I haven't done in long enough to make them no longer feel normal. Yeah. What I'm hoping is that as we're coming back out, as the world is reopening, is that we, each of us, and collectively, we're really reflecting on what are those things we want to bring back to normal? Mm -hmm. And what are those things that we'd be okay with not bringing back to normal? So that our new normal 
whatever it is, I hope there is purpose and intentionality in it. Mm -hmm. Great stuff, man. You didn't skip. And there's plenty more within that list. We'll have to figure out how to get more of that from you. Dan, are you ready to follow that? That was no, pretty, I, uh, pretty good. For me, I'm waiting for the pendulum swing back in the other direction. I, I think we've seen the at least acknowledgement that virtual works or e-learning, whatever phrase you want to use that's out there. I do start to think this college year is going to be very indicative of how higher education moves forward. I don't think higher ed is ready for hybrid. I don't think higher ed is ready for an embrace of cheaper costs, of reducing costs and doing those things. So I think higher ed is going to be that line in the sand in a lot of ways over the next year or two of how we move forward. I think the definition of hybrid in the next six months is going to, to matter. And I think people understanding what hybrid actually means in their context is going to matter. I had a friend say, oh, I'm taking a hybrid online course. I said, okay, what does that mean? In person, then you take an online class. She goes, no, it's online. I said, what does that mean though? Oh, they have videos on demand and we do message board. That's not hybrid. All right, so we need to define what it is. So over the next six months to me, we're going to have to understand what people think the next phase of learning is. And I think the last thing for me that we're going to see more of, and I've already started talking to my oldest about this, is everything's going to be recorded. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in the sense that that's a positive for classes, right? I miss a class or I didn't really understand something. I can go back and learn again from the professor who's the sage on the stage or a discussion group. I can listen back to it. But it's also all of our movements are being recorded. Yeah. Data is there. Everything we're learning is being recorded. The data is there. And actually, video-wise, so much is being recorded. Mm -hmm. And just understanding the implications, both from a learning sense and from a, a, a personal sense, yeah. and being attuned and, and opting out where you need to opt out. And, mm -hmm. and saying, no, I'm not going to log in, or I'm not going to turn my camera on, or I'm not going to uh, be in this place that everything I do is someone else's data point. We've talked about it before, the quantified self. I think there are opt-out moments that people are going to have to start making decisions both in education and in their personal lives. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Privacy is going to be huge. Yeah. So I think we whetted people's appetite. Hopefully the two of you are excited to come back uh, for, for more. Absolutely. And also speaking about relationships, relationships we have together here, that's what it's all about. And it's always great to have some continuity. We're talking about coming up on five years of having conversations about where the world is headed. That's pretty fantastic. I've Deeply appreciate having both you in my life on this show so that we can have great conversations. Hopefully our listeners enjoy, as Ethel Merman famously said, it's better to sing one song too few than one song too many. So I think folks may want more from y'all, but thanks so much for coming back and reliving some of our, our memories on today's show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us and for all the memories, yeah, including those to be made. Exactly. And for our listeners, if you like what you're hearing, write us a review Tell your friends, share the good word. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.